Well, it's lovely to get to speak with you this morning. As Adam said, my name is Ellie. I'm the community pastor here at St. Paul's. And um, as we come to this passage this morning, let me ask you this. What question is on your mind this morning? Maybe as you sit here, you are wondering what's for lunch. Maybe connected to that, you are wondering how long this sermon is going to be. Um, Maybe questions will even arise for you as I speak. We've all got questions most of the time and some feel more easy to ask than others. We are at the beginning of our Alpha course at St Paul's and one of the things that I love about helping on Alpha at the moment are people's questions. In fact the first question that we ask people to consider on week one of Alpha is this. We say if God is real and you could ask him one question right now what would you ask him? And I am always humbled by people's honesty and vulnerability as they share. I wonder what your question would be this morning. Maybe it would be about a circumstance you're facing, about a situation or an issue that we see going on in the world, a disappointment in your life that you don't understand, an unanswered prayer that you haven't given up on. But I wonder if behind all your questions, behind all my questions, is actually this one question that this brave, young, rich man asks Jesus. Because when he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I think what he's really asking is, how do I live a life that matters? How do I live life facing death, facing disappointments? How do I live with unanswered prayer? Jesus, how do I live life in all its fullness for eternity? And Jesus' answer to this young man who seemingly has kept all the rules, who's worked hard, who's done well, who's done everything right, is not, don't worry about it, you'll be fine, you've done everything you need to do. Actually, Jesus' answer is this. He says, you lack one thing, go. Sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. It's so interesting to me that despite his wealth, despite everything that this young man has, seemingly the whole world at his feet, he still wants to know, God, what's the thing that's missing? Jesus, good teacher, what's the thing? Why, why is there this hole? Why is, why is it not enough? What's the one thing that I still haven't done, that I still haven't got? And actually what I love is that Jesus doesn't ask him for more performance. He doesn't ask him for more goodness. He doesn't ask him to just work harder. Instead, instead, what he says is, would you be willing to give up all the things that you've built your life upon, that you think will save you, your identity, all the things that you think make you who you are, and instead, would you set your heart on me? And the scripture says that this young man went away sad. And the word here is actually best translated as grieved. He went away grieved. And in his book on Mark's gospel, The King's Cross, Timothy Keller explains that the same Greek word for grieved is also used in Matthew's gospel as Matthew describes um, Jesus' experience in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he is crucified. And it's the same word that Matthew uses as he describes Jesus grieving in deep distress. The night before, he will be cut off, separated from his father. And as he prepares to sacrifice the very core of himself, his relationship with the father, Jesus grieves. 
in the same way, according to the translation, that this young man grieves the loss of his wealth. And the use of the same word for that sense of grief, Keller suggests, shows us that money, things, for this young man was what the father was for Jesus. This young man had made money, wealth, success, the very core of who he is. And he is grieved that he might not be able to live without it. And Timothy Keller goes on to write this. He says, it's one thing to have God as your boss, as an example to you, as a mentor. But if you want God to be your savior, you have to replace what you're already looking to as a savior. And everybody's got something. What is it for you? And so my question this morning is, what is it that deep down I still want more than I want Jesus? What am I still holding behind my back, holding on to dear life for like a life raft, whilst I stand in front of the king of kings, the one who gave up everything for me, and I say, Jesus, how do I live a full life that will matter into eternity? What are you holding on to this morning as you ask him that question? Because actually this conversation that we can read about in Mark, it's, it's not a direction for us all to just go out and give everything away that we have to the poor. For some of us it might be. But actually the question that Jesus is asking of all of us this morning is, am I enough for you? If that thing that you're holding behind your back got taken away, if I asked you to do this or give up that, if you let me become your identity, if following me costs you something, do you believe that I'm enough for you? That what I've done for you will be enough? They are big questions. It's why we do Alpha, and it's not too late to join us if you want to come on a Wednesday night. And I am pretty sure that in following Jesus, we spend a lifetime working them out. But I'm really heartened by Jesus' explanation of this encounter to his disciples. Because he says to them, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished and they said to him, then who can be saved? And Jesus looks at them and he says, with man, it is impossible but not with God. All things are possible with God. When the walk of the Christian life feels impossible, the questions that we ask, when we wonder if we're up to it, if we can do it, the wonderful news of the gospel is always, it's okay, because it's actually not about you. It doesn't start with you, with your effort, with your heart, with your good intention to follow Jesus and be a good Christian. It starts with God, his grace, has made it possible. It always starts with him because it's the love of the Father that enables us to lay down the things that we think we need to save us instead of him. Thomas Chalmers called it the expulsive power of a greater affection, that the truth and experience of Jesus's affection, of his commitment to us, his covenant love for us, enables us to freely come to him, confident, as the writer of Hebrews tells us, to, the, to come to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. All things are possible with God. Because, as Keller goes on to write, Jesus is actually the ultimate young rich ruler who has given away his ultimate wealth to get to you.
And when we understand that, when we grasp that again and again and again, as we come to the table, as we're going to do this morning, and we behold the throne of mercy and grace, it begins to change our perspective of what it looks like for us to surrender to the things that hinder us from fully receiving him, from following him, loving him with all our heart, mind, and soul. And it no longer becomes quite so frightening. And instead of disappointment, we see opportunity. Instead of grief, it's hope. Beauty instead of ashes, he promised us, the psalmist says. And only you can hear his answer as you ask the question this morning, what must I do, Lord, to have the full eternal life you've promised me? It will be different for all of us. And I'd encourage you to ask the question, to listen to his response. But as you listen, I want you to remember this bit of the story. That as this young man kneels before Jesus and rattles off his accomplishments and and says, these are all the things that I've done and I've kept them since I was a boy. He comes earnestly, but imperfect. This is the next thing that the scripture says. It says, Jesus, looking at him, loved him. We can love Jesus. We can live a sacrificial life, a generous life, a life spent for others, a life of forgiveness and mercy, a life that is uncomfortable and selfless only because he loves us first. He looks at us. He looks at you this morning in all your questions and all your wrestle. And he sees full well the things that you're holding behind your back and that you're afraid to surrender to him. And he loves you. He's looking at you and he loves you. And when we know that, when we open our hands, empty of the things that we've been holding, and we say yes to his love, we find that there is enough, that he is enough, and that all the impossible things find their yes in him. For us to have joy and hope and fullness of life, all the things that the world promises us but fails dismally on, all those things find their yes in him. And that's his promise to us and his invitation to us as we ask that question today. Amen.